So last week, I'm going to give you just a brief, some groundwork a little bit, just to, and then I'm going to pick up and kind of keep going from there. But we looked at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, and the Bible, and I'm, I'm going to skip a lot of the content from last week because I talked about it last week. So, but I do need to start here. And, um, and so in Ephesians five fifteen, it tells us, it says that we're to be careful how we live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Now, if I was to ask you, nobody wants to live like a fool. Everybody wants to be wise. And yet the Bible here tells us how to. And so you can go read this in, in context, if you will. But, um, but the, really the key here was is to be careful how you live. Pay attention. Don't kick into autopilot. Like pay attention how you're living your life, how you're going about your life. And so, and he says this in verse 18, he goes on and says, hey, don't be drunk with wine because this will ruin your life. And he says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And last week I shared with you is that I believe that many of us have done part A. We have neglected the instead part. I believe is that we've hey, had the behavior modification. We've done the things that maybe we were convicted about. We've laid some things aside. Hey, I'm not who I used to be. I'm a better version. But my question for you is, have you really tapped into the ability of God so that you could be what God wants you to be? Because you can't do it by yourself. That's what this whole series is about. Last week, I talked about it a lot, about being under the influence, right? Remember, I had the little bottle, By the way, most of the feedback I got back was that I should have had a bottle of vodka up here, but I didn't. I had hand sanitizer, which is still alcohol, but just don't drink it. But we talked about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And and so just as a way of some recap, the word filled there literally means to level up. Like if you go look in the Greek, the word is actually one of the definitions is level up. To go to a new place. To go to a place that you can't go by yourself. That only by the help and the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit will we ever get to that new place. And so it also means that to have influence or to feel to the brim. To be thoroughly permeated or covered. Now this is a word we don't like. Dominated. Like, oh, I don't want to be controlled. No, it's a yielding. It's a giving way. You know, like a yield sign. Doesn't mean that you just... Throw your hands off the wheel and be like, Lord, take it. Like, No, you give way, and that's what it really means here. And, and so we talked about this last week, and so I don't want to unpack it. But the first part of this message, you know, throughout this series, I've been sharing with you about what it means to really live a life submitted or surrendered to the Holy Spirit and what that looks like. And so, and, and why? Because it's what the Bible tells us to do, right? It says, if you want to be wise... You're going to have to instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because none of us are strong enough, good enough, determined enough to reach what God has for every one of us on our own. But when we would tap into the Holy Spirit's help, I mean, even in John, when you go and look and Jesus is saying, hey, guys, I've got to go, but I'm going to send you a helper. The Holy Spirit is here to help to encourage, to strengthen. The Bible says he's the one who comes alongside of us. He's our advocate. He's the one who strengthens us with, with power and ability that we don't have in and of ourselves. And so we have to turn to him. And out of that, and I believe there's two sides to this coin. Last week we looked at this. is about the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, which we all love. And uh, these are fruits. These are attributes 
of the Holy Spirit. In other words, this is what my life is going to begin to reflect the more that I surrender my heart and my mind and my thoughts to the Holy Spirit. Now, it starts with love. Love for what? Love for God, love for his people. And it all stems from that. But let me say it this way, because I come from a charismatic, spirit-filled background. I've met a lot of spirit-filled, nasty people. Because they got part A of it, but they missed the part, or they got part B, they missed part A. Is it the fruit of the Spirit? In other words, there ought to be some difference in, in my life. And I talked about this, that people can tangibly see. I don't have to say anything. They should be able to see that I serve Jesus. And that's what this is about. And, and so really it's about godly character and, and having godly nature. And so let me use a, a different terminology. Is that this is the Spirit within us that does this. Again, I'm not trying to just be nice for nice sake. I want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to love those that I don't know how to love. I want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to forgive those that I don't want to forgive. I want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to see the best in people when everything else tells me all the negative. But I can't do that by myself. And neither can you. We need the help, the operation. Let me make it even more like dig down a little bit deeper. You can't be a good husband, wife, parent, anything, not to your fullest potential without the help of the Holy Spirit. And I could give you multiple examples of this in my own life where the Lord has instructed me to do things concerning my kids, concerning my relationship with my wife. And guess what? It's always worked. It's like he's a genius. It's like he already knew everything. But what happens when I don't listen? Well, I'm choosing to be foolish. Why? Because... The same, the Holy Spirit has the exact same spirit of Christ, which the Bible called Christ, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding. So if I'm going to live this life successfully, if you're going to live this life successfully, it's going to require some things and the help of the Holy Spirit. It's going to require that I learn how to hear him, how to follow him, how to give way to him. And that's not always easy because we're, we, we, we like to be in control, but it is a skill that can be learned. Let me say it this way. Nobody is born with this. You say, oh, well, they, they, just, they just know how to surrender to the Lord. They just got a gift for that. It ain't scriptural. They have learned to yield their heart, their mind, and their emotions to the Lord. So it's something that you have to develop. So it doesn't matter where you are today. You could be in here this morning and say, man, I have never experienced the presence and the power of God, but you can. You may have to learn how to do that, and the Holy Spirit will help you. But you're going to have to learn if you're going to step into really experiencing what, who God has for you to be and really experience his empowerment and his grace in your life. Because what happens is many times we get saved and we're like, oh, I'm saved. I'm good. Do you realize there's much more beyond the cross that God has for you? The cross makes everything available to us, but we have to receive it. We have to what? Take lay hold of what God has provided for us. And so we talked about these things last week in Ephesians, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, The fruit of the Spirit or the results or the influence of the Spirit is this. And it goes through the nine fruit of the Spirit. And so when we're living under the, the influence of the Spirit of God, this is what I believe will happen is that we're going to act different. We're going to walk different. We're going to talk different. You might even be surprised sometimes. I said this last week that how you respond to something. Because where you might normally be sarcastic or cutting or whatever, all of a sudden something totally different comes out of your mouth. And you're going to be like, where did that come from? That's the help of the Holy Spirit helping you to not mess it up. 
I think I hear the Holy Spirit say more than anything. Don't say that. Maybe it's because I'm vocal and I got words and I like to share them. Holy Spirit's like, hey, zip it. Now, I can choose and I can, and I talked about that last time. I can run through that red light. Maybe that's a yellow light. Maybe it's a caution. Slow down there. Nope, I'm going. And then there's fallout. Well, I can't blame him for my disobedience. Let me say that another way. God is not responsible for the effects of my disobedience or me not paying attention to his leading. So this is important. We have to learn how to hear the voice of God. And so this morning, I really want to dive into the second part of the coin, which is about the gifts of the spirit. I'll call it this. It's the godly manifestations, you know, and so I want to take a few minutes. And and as I said, this is going to be more instructional and and I can only go so deep in the amount of time that I have to communicate with you, but I'm going to do my best to communicate it in a way that hopefully we can all understand what we're talking about. And so why? Because number one, I don't want you freaked out if something happens. And this is my promise to you. Is that I take what I'm about to talk about with the utmost of respect and honor. Like maybe even too much a little bit in some ways. Because it's a very holy thing. Holy things are set apart things. And it's one thing to have the Holy Spirit work in me. It's a whole other thing for the Holy Spirit to work through you. And these things that I'm about to talk about, they're not reserved for a select few people. Just read the Bible. Forget what you've been taught. Go read the Bible. Because the Bible is clear in and of itself. And I'm not disregarding. I mean, let me go this far. Don't take what I'm about to tell you as my word. Go research it for yourself. Get in your Bible and see what your Bible says. And if you have questions, give me a call. We can sit down. And so, um, but really, so let me say this. Let me compare the two things again. Is that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is for fruit bearing, but the outpouring of the Spirit is for us to serve one another. This is what the Bible tells us. And so we're going to look at some scriptures. And and so it's not one or the other. I think we have to have both. And I think as we move forward and continue uh, just in our society and in the timeline of of God's timetables, if you want to call it that, it's not just moving forward into history. You know, God has a plan, but the Bible's pretty clear. Things are not going to get much better. Doesn't mean that God's not going to move. I believe God's going to move in the midst of chaos because he's good. But we need to learn how to what? Receive from the Lord. Why? So that the, because what happens is the Bible says that in the last days, many people will lose heart because of what they see. So if that's what the Bible says, that, that man, I could become discouraged and even give up on my faith because of what I see. That means I need to see something else. I need to have my eyes fixed somewhere else on something else. And that is the hope that is in Jesus. That is the hope that God is in control, that God is working all things together for my good. Why? Because that's what he said in his word. That's his promise to us. And so I believe that we need both of these equally. And so I believe that when we take the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit, it's where the practical, the practical side is like, let me just give you, you just, y'all know me. People don't want to get witnessed to by a jerk. So I don't care what gift you got. If people don't like you, they don't want to listen to you. And so there's a practical side of impacting people for God. But I don't want to just tell them an empty story with no power. 
Because why? The Bible says that it is the power of God that we believe unto salvation. Not in the doctrines. Not just off of our head knowledge or our understanding or what I've heard my whole life in church. It's the power of God that goes into operation to save us, to renew us. The Bible says to sanctify us. This is all the work of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that we've been trying to be better in our own strength. And what I'm telling you is chill out and allow the Holy Spirit to help you. That's the, that's the whole theme of our 21 days. It's not by power. It's not by might. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. And so when we grab hold of this and really begin to apply this to our daily life, it will transform our life. Why? Because those things that we've been fighting and fighting and struggling and kicking and all these things, trying to get accomplished, maybe we're trying and we need to just start resting in the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I just need you to help me. I'm trying to figure this out in my mind. I'm trying to work it out. I'm doing all these things. And maybe I just need to trust you. And so, you know, so what does some of this look like? Now, I just want to make a statement here before I get into this, because I think it's important, is that I believe, and from what I can read from the word of God, is that a spiritual gift is a supernatural ability that is given by the Holy Spirit. In other words, like, give you an example. Like, I stand here and I communicate, not every weekend, but most weekends. But I also failed speech three times in college. And yet I stand up here all the time. Now, how does that make sense? You want to know how I passed public speaking in college? I turned them into sermons. They said, you got five minutes to have a persuasive speech. Let's go. Let me persuade you about Jesus. And I stood in front of my college class and I had a five minute sermon. Some of you are like, I don't believe that at all. Do you know how long you preached last week, sir? But what happens is that God will actually use you in the very place of your weakness. Why? Because only he gets the glory. Because trust me, it, I couldn't even think straight. I, would, I could have notes and I would totally blank out. Just, I have no idea what I was supposed to say. So this isn't just like the Holy Spirit adding to your natural ability. Although I, I believe that can happen. God gave us strengths. He gave us abilities. But one of the things that I have found, even in my own life, is that God will take the place that I'm the most insecure about and say, hey, let me use you there. And, I, and my response is, God, I can't do that. And he's like, I know. It means you have to trust me. And you're going to have to believe that I'm going to show up for you. In some of the greatest areas of pain in my life is the very area that I see God use me in the greatest measures. So in my insecurity, out of my pain comes what? Anointing. And that's not unique to me. I believe as a believer that every single one of us are carriers of the anointing of God. Like, what's the anointing? It's the presence and the power of God. But it's only powerful when we release it. And so the Holy Spirit is not just taking one of our natural abilities and kind of heightening it or adding to it. No, it's a manifestation of the Spirit. And so I want to show you some here from, uh, it's really in, we're going to spend the majority of our time here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and 
So if you don't know this, much of the epistles, which is kind of, you know, go through the New Testament, they were letters being written back and forth. And so Paul is actually like 1 Corinthians is a response to a letter that they had sent him. Pretty long letter, but he's just a, he's sharing some things with them, but he's also answering questions. And so like right before this, he's giving them instructions about communion because they had some chaos going on during communion. And uh, quite frankly, people were getting hammered. Go read your Bible. It's in there. And he's like, hey, guys, this ain't the place for. And so he gives them instructions on how communion should be received within the church. In verse 12, he says, hey, about that, what you were asking me about. So he says, now concerning um, what comes from the spirit, brothers, I do not want you to be unaware. Other translations say, hey, I don't want you ignorant. And it doesn't mean ignorant from a stupid standpoint. It means ignorant as from an uninformed standpoint. I don't want you to not have understanding or or, or a grasp that this is how God wants to work and how God wants to move. And, and, And wants to and will and does. And this is important for us to understand these things. And so you can go read all this. I'm going to kind of bounce through a couple of scriptures here, but I would encourage you to go and look, I may have to do some more teaching on this later because it's a lot between chapter 12 and chapter 14, which by the way, if you want me to back up the fruit of the spirit with what I said about, we need both chapter 12 and chapter 14 are about the gifts of the spirit. Chapter 13 is about the love of God. Think of an Oreo. Which part do you like the most? The love part. Why? Because people will listen if they know you love. People will be receptive if they know that you genuinely care for them. And so it's important that we have these things. So here in verse 4, Paul begins to really give some specifics. And it's important that we understand these things. It says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. So different functions, different manifestations, but it's the Holy Spirit who's making it all happen. It says there are different kinds of service, but we all serve the same Lord. God works in different ways. It is the same God who does the work in all of us. Now, here's a key word. I didn't highlight it, but it says a spiritual gift is given to each. You could insert everyone. Let me help you. Every one of you have a spiritual gift. It's not reserved for the person who stands up here. It's not reserved for the really spiritual people that come down here and pray with people like, oh, man. Everyone, why? Because the Bible says so. It's not my opinion. A spiritual gift is given to each of us, every single one of us. Now, they're different. That's what the Bible just said. There's different gifts, same Holy Spirit, different kinds of service, the same Lord, different ways or different representations. But it's the Holy Spirit that what? Who works in all of us. Like, let me give you a spiritual gift that you may think that ain't spiritual, but the Bible says it is hospitality, making people feel welcome. You just have an inviting spirit. I do not possess that spiritual gift. (laughs) Some people have a gift of administration, organization. That's a spiritual gift. Like, how do I know if I have that? When you walk in here, do you notice that chairs aren't straight? You're like, oh, I'm just OCD. Possibly. But do you know there's actually a spiritual application to that as well? There are some things that you do in your day-to-day life that you don't even think about it, and it's actually a God-ordained purpose, and you're just using it to get paid instead of using it to bless. There's nothing wrong with getting paid for your talents, but God has an assignment on who he created you to be. And each one of you have a gift, 
Let me say it this way. You are a gift to the world around you. You're like, I don't know about that. (laughs) Well, maybe we need to go back to the fruit of the Spirit. Each one of you have a gift. And what's the purpose of the gift? It's to help each other out. Now, I'm going to give you some some specifics here. We're going to pick up in verse 8. For the sake of time, I've got to get moving here. So he he picks up in verse 8 and he says, For example, he says, The Spirit gives to one the word of wisdom. Now I'm going to stop at the end of each of these and I'm going to give you a little description. This is very basic, but I want you to what? Not be uninformed. I want you to understand what the Bible means by this. And again, it's the Spirit who does this. Now let me just say this. Every one of these have a demonic counterpart. You ever heard of like a, uh, somebody reads like tarot cards, a psychic reader? Why? Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. The problem is, is what spirit are they listening to? They're still a gifting. They're still a calling. They're more aware of, of maybe the spirit realm than maybe others. And by the way, just cover my bases. As a believer, you have no business going to see anybody like that. No horoscopes. Nobody. Why? You have the spirit of God living on the inside of you. The spirit of wisdom and understanding and revelation. If you got questions about your future, he already knows it. Why? Because he's already there. So why not go to the one who wrote the script than somebody else who's just trying to give you some offshoot of maybe half truth? And look, there will be enough truth to hook you. But what door are you opening for the enemy to come in? So when when we talk about a word of wisdom, that's actually a word about um, the future or the road ahead. Give you an example of this in my own life. Is that one time I had a minister call me out and he just, he said, hey, tell your friends to go down another road while you still have a fighting chance to do what God's called you to do. I was 19 years old. I have it written out. I have every word that has ever been spoken to me written out on a document. And I actually go back and read all of these types of things a couple times a year. Why? Paul told Timothy, you need to go to war with the prophetic words that were spoken to you. So in other words, when I get discouraged, I need to go back and remind my soul what has been said to me. What what God has promised me. And so sometimes there, and so exactly what he did. He saw me, didn't know me, nothing. And just said, hey, you gotta, you gotta walk away from these friendships because your calling is on the line. Now, Now, let me say this too. Anytime that these things happen, it needs to resonate with your spirit. He didn't tell me anything that I didn't know. It was a confirmation of what I already knew. And you're like, what if somebody gives me something? I'm like, I don't think that's the Lord. Put it on the shelf. Because you may not have the context yet for the word that comes. But it doesn't necessarily mean, now, the Bible says that we need to test the spirits. In other words, don't just take it hook, line, and sinker just because somebody said it. I don't care if I say it. It needs to confirm the Holy Spirit needs to say, yep, that's me. And you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you who will confirm this. So he says to another, to another of the same, he says the same spirit, the Holy Spirit gives the word of revelation knowledge. Now, a lot of times we can get these confused as the word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. Word, word of wisdom is about your future. A word of knowledge is actually about your present or your past. I'll give you an example of this. It, and there's times that this happens. 
That the Lord will even drop something in my heart, in somebody else's heart, and, you know, and like, make it simple. Hey, somebody's here and you have a, like, an unbelievable pain in your right knee, right out here. There's no way naturally for me to know that. But if the Holy Spirit prompted me to do that and somebody stood up in the room and was like, that's me. Here's the good news. Why would God give the word of wisdom? Because he wants to heal. And so God, and, and what happens is, is if that happened, what would, it would actually cause your faith to increase. Say, God loves me so much that he spoke to that person about my right knee hurting over here. And God's just confirming that he wants to heal it. So, word of wisdom, future, word of knowledge, past, present. There have been times, and many times, and I, and I don't, I can't say if I'm right or wrong in this, is that many times the gifts will actually function as I preach. And I don't stop me like, oh, that's a word from the Lord. But if something that I say grabs hold of your heart, there's many times that I operate in these as I preach. I just don't make a big deal about it. I don't want a lot of fanfare about it. Why? Because I would rather you grab hold of it and say, that was my word. And you ought to come to church every weekend looking for a word. We're not just here to punch the time clock. We're here to receive from heaven what God wants to do. And so I want to leave different and I want to leave changed from the presence of God. That starts in my worship, by the way. Why? Worship separates me from my week. And I need to worship the Lord. Like, wow, can we just get past that singing stuff? Go throw some seed on some untilled ground and see how well it grows. If you'll till up the soil, the seed can go deeper. That's what worship does. So the next one here, he says, and to another, the spirit gives the gift of faith. Now, this isn't like saving faith. The Bible says that every single human being has a measure of faith. That, that measure of faith gets you saved. You have enough. Well, this is something totally different. This is supernatural faith. This is like faith at another gear. I can only absolutely say I've only ever stepped into that one time in my life. I wish I could make it happen, but I can't. And neither can you. But God would give you supernatural faith in a moment to do something that you would never have the ability or the faith to do in and of yourself. It's the help of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, something supernatural has got to happen here. Like, let me give you an example. In, in biblical terms, there are two words for time. There's chronos, which is like clock. Then there's kairos, which is like a God interruption into time. Sometimes you need the gift of faith to step into a chaos moment because what God wants to do, you'll never in that moment have enough faith to do in and of yourself. And you need the help and the operation of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. You're like, I don't know if I have that. Here's what you need to know. If you needed it, it's available through the Holy Spirit. In a moment of time, in a moment of crisis, you might be surprised what God would do. And I can tell you stories. There's only one time that I fully believe that I actually stepped into this gift. One time that I know of. And I won't go into all the details, but it was something that I said. And even while I'm saying, I'm like, this is the great, why am I talking? But you know what? God did it. And it was remarkable. I mean, I was thinking, God, you better show up because I'm going to look like an idiot. And God showed up. It's pretty awesome. So to another, the spirit gives the gifts of healing. 
So healing and the next one is miracles, and they are different. Is that he, A gift of healing is this. It's a repair or it's a bringing back to a whole place. Is that there are times that the Holy Spirit comes upon somebody because the gifts of the Spirit are, are, I'm sorry, the fruit of the Spirit are within. The Holy Spirit comes upon in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. In other words, I don't just walk around like, like oblivious to the world around me. But there are times that the Holy Spirit will come upon us in a special way that equips us and enables us to do something we could never do in and of ourselves. But it's for a moment. And sometimes God would fall and would stir up on somebody that a gift of healing. I mean, I've been in services. I've been I've had experiences with the Lord where it just seems like healing breaks out in every person that got prayed for. Just boom, instantly healed. It's amazing. I can't make it happen. But I have found a catalyst, which is my desire. See, this whole month we've been talking about experiencing the presence of God. If we're going to experience the presence of God in a marked way, all we have to do is want it. If you're hungry and thirsty, you will be filled. So if as we as a group, and I'll show you an example of this here in a few moments, begin to really desire... Because that's part of verse 1 there. Paul actually said, hey, really desire the gifts of the Spirit. Like, be passionate about it. He said, don't forget about love. Really desire it. So gifts of healing are, it's repair or uh, bringing back to a full or a whole place. So uh, to another, it's the working of miracles. Like, well, what's the difference of healing and miracles? A miracle is a violation of a natural law. In other words, somebody was born without hearing, and yet there's a creative miracle that happens that what God would move upon somebody, and all of a sudden they can hear. Somebody doesn't have a limb. Somebody prays for them, and their arm grows out. That's a miracle. Why? Because that doesn't happen naturally. Like nobody grows, or, 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 you know, whether they are born without a limb or lose a limb, somehow in life. Those things, I mean, we're not, uh, what am I thinking of here? We're not like geckos. We're not lizards. Rip the tail off and another one's going to come back. Like, that's not how human beings work, right? But yet, why? The Bible talks about the deaf hearing and the blind seeing, and right? Well, how does that happen? It's a miracle. The word miracle literally means a violation of natural law. There's no way it can happen except God. So it goes on here and it says to another, the gift of prophecy. Now this, there are two types of prophecy in scripture, just for clarity. And this is different uh, than just a word of wisdom. But it, in the context of this scripture and this word, it actually means a foretelling of the, of the future. And, and this isn't so much, I believe, necessarily personal. We see this with the Old Testament prophets where they would speak to the nation of Israel Like, I'll give you an example. You don't even know it. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I believe that was a prophetic thing that the Lord gave me in July for January. Why? Because it wasn't just for me. It was actually for the church. That's the reason I'm preaching on the beginning of the year, because I believe God wants to take us to a place that we haven't been lately. Now, you're probably like, I had no idea. Because I don't want to make a big deal about it. But you do need to understand it. Why would God speak to me in July about now? Because God has a plan. 
The other type of prophecy, and we may have to, we may talk about this later. And so there's, let me say it this way. There's two levels, if you will. There's a prophecy that I believe every believer can actually possess and actually do. This is not that one. Chapter 14 talks about a universal prophecy, and I'll, I'll tell you what that is here in a minute. And so he has the gift of prophecy to another. It's the gift to discern what the Spirit is speaking. And so other translations call it the discerning of spirits. Now, people turn this into all kinds of goofiness. It's very simple. Is this God or is this the devil? That's what the discerning of spirits is. What is influencing? What's motivating this moment? And so what, what's happening in the background, if you will, in, outside of the natural realm? What's happening in the spirit realm? And some people are more attuned to the spirit than others. Well, it's not because God loves them more. It's because you got a gift. Let me just help you. Some people might think you're a little weird. Not saying absolutely, but God may have you uniquely different for a purpose. Now, we have to balance all of these with the context of Scripture. Without Scripture, we're going to get weird. I'm committed to not be a weird church, and I will defend that vigorously. Because Jesus was not weird, so why would... His people be weird. Anyhow. So it goes on here and it says, and again, there's two different types of tongues that the Bible talks about. This is a different one than, so there's a private and a public, you could say it that way. Two types of prophecy, a private and a public one. Two types of tongues, a private and a public one. You're like, why does the Bible say that? It's just the way they interpreted the Bible. If you go study the Bible... You dig a little deeper, there's actually clear distinctions between two different things. So here he's talking about, um, he says to another, the gift of speaking uh, in different types of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. He says, remember, it is the same Holy Spirit who distributes, activates, and operates these things, or these different gifts, as he chooses for every believer. We can desire them, but we can't make them happen. It's by the will and the unction and the working of the Holy Spirit. But I know this, if we don't desire it, it won't happen. Why? Because God is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself. He says, hey, I'll give you all that you want. But if you say enough, hey, I'm tapping out. Jesus, I'm good. He'll say, I'll honor you if that's what you want. I got more for you, but. Just an interesting fun fact. Is that the, the Bible actually, and we looked at this last week, there's nine fruit of the spirit and there's nine gifts of the spirit oh like balance harmony it's like god was like hey i think i need to give you nine of these and nine of these and by the way they're both to be motivated by love why because there's harmony there's balance in that and again all of these things are rooted by god's word why because that keeps us grounded keeps us from being funky and weird to people and so, just in, so for way of communication for you today, is that the nine gifts of the Spirit are actually put into groups of three. This is just good information for you to know. I hope you're taking notes. If not, you can go back and listen to this later. Welcome to Bible school. So the first one is inspiration. You're like, what's the function of the gifts? I'm about to tell you. The first one is inspiration. The inspiration gifts are prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Like, what's inspiration? It means it, it puts wind in your sails. 
Like, oh my gosh, man, I needed that word. You ever come to church and you just feel lighter when you leave? Because you were inspired, not by a preacher. I mean, you can be emotional about it and be like, oh, that was such a great church service. Like, no, that's just your emotions. And your emotions will fade by Sunday at 2. But when the, wind, when the wind of the Holy Spirit comes into our sails, if you will, something shifts in us. A course change happens where I was down and depressed. Now God is working in a new and a fresh way. Man, and there's just something alive on the inside of me. This is why these gifts come. The gifts never come without a purpose, ever. I am thoroughly convinced of that. God doesn't speak up unless he wants to show up. So we have the inspiration gifts. We have the revelation gifts, which is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits is not the spirit of paranoia. It is not the spirit of suspicion. Sometimes it's, just, I don't know, people get into these gifts and they get a little, you know, quite honestly, people who operate in this gift tend to lean a little arrogant, if I'm, in my experience. Can't show you that in the Bible, but just in my experience, they can come across. And sometimes, like, ooh, I got the pretty gift. I got the vocal one. And we kind of look at those people like, oh, don't come talk to me. <laughs> I'm going to go over here. <laughs> like, I don't want to be around that person, you know. I mean, how many of you ever thought that in a service? Like, you're like, man, don't come to my row. Mm-mm. Whew. I got the spirit of a bathroom break coming on. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, man. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, if I just close my eyes, they're going to think I'm just receiving from the Holy Spirit. Maybe they'll leave me alone. Don't move. Oh, yes, Holy Spirit, I love you, Jesus. Just keep going, buddy. But do you realize that that's rooted in fear for the enemy to keep you from a blessing that God has for you? Because here's what I know is that the majority of the time that I've received a word from somebody, I didn't always like it, but I've always needed it. But that's not the norm. The majority of the time it's uplifting, it's encouraging, right? Then there are the power gifts, the gift of faith, healings, miracles. Let me just give you an example of this of what this looks like because it takes all three of these for a certain event to happen and transpire we hear about people being raised from the dead you know it takes all three of the power gifts at work at the same time for that to happen because it takes supernatural faith to call life back into a dead body it doesn't take long for the body to decay the moment that the heart stops and oxygen i mean decay happens quick so there has to be the working of miracles. There has to be uh, the working of, of, of healings that are happening. Why? Because those organs need to be healed. There's some reconstruction that even has to happen. Like we don't just come back. No, it takes three, op- three gifts operating at the same time. You're like, Pastor, you're talking about some crazy stuff. It's in your Bible. Go read your Bible. Now, you would care if you were laying somewhere sick and you're like, Pastor, would you come pray for me? Let me just ask you practically. Do you want me to just come and pray for you? Lord Jesus, help them. Heal them if you want to. No, the Bible's already revealed God's will. And he says, go look at the life of Jesus. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the enemy. He's the same Jesus today. 
Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have circumstances. It doesn't mean that, look, I've got questions, but my questions do not change the truth. Just because I don't understand something doesn't change what the Bible says about it. So I get to choose. Am I going to believe me and my experience or am I going to believe God's word? Because if I believe me over God's word, then I put myself above him. Let me give you another example. This happened last Monday night in prayer. So we have prayer tomorrow night. This happened Monday night. I was up here walking like I normally do. I don't sit and pray. I got to walk. I got too much energy. This, I got to move. It's just my habit, I guess. And I'm up here pacing across the front here, just praying. I shared a, you know, a thought with everybody. And then it's like, hey, we're going to spend some personal time praying. And, you know, and so we did that. And then at the end, I came back up and I said, hey, I believe that the Lord dropped a word in my heart. And I wasn't 100% on it, quite honestly. I was praying for the church. And then I felt like the Holy Spirit just said, hey, there's people in this room that need what I just shared with you. And this is all it was. Is that God is not just the God of breakthrough. God is also the God of breakout. And that's all I had. That was it. And so I had to take a step of faith to say, hey, I don't know if there's anybody in this room that this matters to or not. I have no idea. And it was crazy. As I said that, the Holy Spirit began to talk to me about it. Like as I'm talking, the Holy Spirit talking to me. And he began to share with, and I believe that there are some of you in this room that that word is actually for. So let me give you the context. Is that many times we pray for God to get us through something. It's like, just get me on the other side of it. Like, God, this difficulty, just get me on the other side of it. Like, God, if you'll just help me pay the bills this month. If you'll just help my marriage right now. Okay, breakthroughs are good and we need breakthroughs but what if god's intention and desire is to actually break you out to say hey i'm not just going to get you through it i'm gonna get you past it i'm going to expand what you're doing what you think is you know and, and really the picture that the lord gave me was it's like that that uh we were confined by the holy by the by the enemy and the holy spirit wanted to come and break us out and you may be here this morning and that's your word today is that God is not just the God of your breakthrough. He is the God of your break out. In other words, things will never be the same after this moment. Is that God wants to do something that is like a mile marker in your life that everything shifted after that day. One day I was depressed and one day I was not. One day I was sick. The next day I was healed. One day I had struggled in my finances my entire life. But God did something in a moment and it changed my financial life. Now, some of you need to put faith in what I just said. Because I can say it, but until you mix your faith with it, it is powerless. Some of you think, oh, you know, we're just, our marriage is just, it's just what it is. You know, it's okay, but it could be better. And what if God wanted a much better marriage? And so you need the operation of the Holy Spirit to come into you. You need the wisdom of God to come to you. And you need the ministry of the Holy Spirit to help you to be something that we could never be by ourselves. This is a different gear. This is a different level than playing church. This is God. I want you to show up in my life in a real way. And it may come through somebody else. It may be a word that somebody gives. It may just be, you know, I, I mean, there's many different ways that it can happen. It could be the Holy Spirit speaking directly to you. 
But something happens when the Holy Spirit moves is that it creates this faith in us. We lay hold of it in a different kind of way. And it's like, you know what? I'm not letting go until I get what was promised. And there is something about this that is different. And I believe in some ways we become so almost accustomed to things that we're not even paying attention to it anymore. Like, oh, there goes God being God again. No, God responds to faith. God is not a respecter of persons, but he does respond to faith. He responds to desire, want. You got to have some want to about you. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, the apostle Paul still continuing. He comes out of the love chapter and he says, hey, let love be our highest goal, but we should also desire the special abilities that the spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Like, oh, I don't know about that. There is some responsibility that like, and this, look, this is a different kind of prophecy, by the way. Remember public and private. This is the more private one. This is where I would go to an individual and say, hey, the Lord laid you on my heart. Now, this actually is not corrective, by the way. Go study your Bible. I'm not making this up. If you think you can go line somebody out. That's not what this verse is talking about here. Prophecy public can be correction. Prophecy private is not. Now you say, how do you know that? Go study the word. Some of you don't even know what this is. Go get you a Strong's Concordance. (laughs) Look up the word. (laughs) And you can go verify this. I'm not making it up. Go look for yourself. Here in in verse 3 of chapter 14, it literally says that prophecy is meant to exhort, to encourage, and to comfort. In other words, give a good word to somebody. It's not like, hey, I like your shoes today. But the Lord may prompt something in you, and it's going to be not you, and you'll know it. So, hey, you need to go encourage that person. And I believe this actually happens, and we talk ourselves out of it all the time, I think. The Lord, like, you just feel like the need to encourage somebody. You're like, it's Tuesday morning. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit trying to help use you to be a blessing to somebody else on a Tuesday morning. Because they done lost what they found on Sunday at church. Hey, and it could be, hey, I was praying for you today. And I felt like the Lord just dropped this in my heart. I was reading this scripture and I just felt like I needed to share it with you today. Look, it's on us to say it. It's not on us to make anything happen. What's the worst? Somebody's like, ah, thanks for sharing. Thanks for praying for me. Appreciate it. But I can't tell you how many times that people have texted me or I've texted people and they're like, dude, how I was reading that verse this morning you can't explain that but you can it's the help of the holy spirit I'll give you another pra- very practical example of this wendy sits right here on the front row some of y'all know this some of y'all don't wendy's the queen of little notes you're like little notes from heaven hey i was just praying this morning i just wanted to encourage you and she writes little notes to people that's actually the gift of prophecy Like, oh, no, it's just writing a note. No, it's not. Not scripturally. It's a gift and an operation of the Holy Spirit. Because I've heard not just one or two. I've heard multiple people talk about, man, Wendy sent me this note. Woo. 
Man, it hit like, pow. That's the operation of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, what if they think it's weird? That's on them. Now, we can determine if we're weird. That's a whole other subject. I can't get on that today. So let me shift gears a little bit. I got I to gotta get moving here. So part of the gifts of the Spirit that happen comes partly, not always. And so this isn't a 100% rule because I believe, and I, we actually do this all the time uh, in different forms, different fashions. But there is something significant about the laying on of hands. When it comes, when you talk about receiving from the Holy Spirit, what is it? I don't know. I can't definitively tell you other than I can see the pattern in Scripture. And if you see a pattern, you might pay attention. And throughout Scripture, we see this. And so I believe that many times when when hands are laid upon people, you see this a lot in the ministry of Jesus. People would come to Jesus for healing. And here's the crazy thing. Somebody who's blind, Jesus say, what you want? My toenail. I'll heal your toenail, but I could give you your sight. It's kind of an interesting. And Jesus did this a lot. Where's your faith? Where are you at? I think sometimes in church we get like a little excited. Like, oh, I see the need. And that person ain't even asking for that prayer. But there is something that happens that I believe that really are about impartations that happen by the Holy Spirit. Is that touch matters in the kingdom of God. Proximity matters in the kingdom of God. There are things, and, and I mean no disrespect to anybody online. There are some things that you will not receive online. And I'm not saying it's not a good tool, but it's not a replacement. Why? Because there are times that somebody in the faith needs to touch you. Not just me as pastor, the body. Like you need to be hugged. You need to be touched. You need to be prayed for. And you're like, man, people are in my bubble. I was in the grocery store the other day. Where were I? I don't remember. It's a Christmas time. And I'm not kidding. I'm in line. Everybody's behind me. And some dude is standing right here. And I wanted to lay hands swiftly on him. I'm like, brother, step away. Get out of my space. And so I understand what I, what I mean. But at the same time, not just my experience, but what I see in Scripture is that there are many times that God does something spectacular when there is a connection physically. Like, well, how do you explain that? I don't know. But I have seen and I have experienced it both ways. I've had people walk up to pray for me, never said a word, and just put their hand on me. And something breaks on the inside. I mean, I've wept in the presence of God. And I don't mean like a, I mean like ugly cry. You know what I'm saying? Never said a word to me. How do you explain that? That's the operation of the Holy Spirit. It's the laying on of hands. And there is power. There is something about it. The Bible in Hebrews actually calls it a foundational doctrine of six things. One of the six is the, the doctrine of the laying on of hands. It says, don't neglect these things. Don't forget it. He called them elementary teachings. Well, how much do we see that in the church? And look, and it doesn't have to be in a structured service. Sometimes it could be down here. That's why we ask you to come for prayer, by the way. Why? Because sometimes you need that touch. It's a, it's a point of contact. Sometimes, let me say it this way. We need to make our faith human. Not that we put our faith in people, but sometimes we need somebody. It's the way God works. He works through people. I talked about that last week, that we're empty vessels. Well, we need to be full vessels so we have something to give out when people come. 
So I don't have to fully understand how all this works, but I can still reap the benefits of it. So let me give you some scripture. First Corinthians four, or for, sorry, first Timothy chapter four, verse 14. Paul talking to Timothy, he says, do not neglect the spiritual gift that you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands upon you. James 5 says, is any of you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, anointing them with oil, and they will be made whole. That word elders does not solely mean pastor, by the way. But there's something, you're like, why are people going to smear some oil on me? If you got healed, you wouldn't care. And I can show you multiple scriptures where God gave people instructions to do something foolish, but they got healed anyway. I like the little foolish if it means God's going to show up. So Saul's sight gets restored. Saul becomes the apostle Paul. God meets him on a donkey. Jesus speaks from heaven and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because he'd been persecuting the church, killing Christians. The Bible says he got knocked off of his donkey when he hit the ground. He went completely blind. Talk about getting your attention. Aren't you glad you aren't Saul? Here's my opinion on this. I don't believe it was the first time Jesus had spoke to him. I believe the Lord had been trying to get his attention, trying to get his attention, trying to get his attention until the Lord said, hey, I got something for you to do. Get off that donkey. <laughs> Goes blind. I'm not going to give you all the details, but I'm going to go to the end of the story. God speaks to a man named Ananias and says, hey, Saul, the persecutor, believes in me. Go and pray for him. He goes, uh-uh, I ain't going. Do you know, you know his reputation? Like, that's a death sentence for me. And God's like, I ain't talking to you. I done told you what to do. Go do it. So Ananias goes and finds where Saul is. And listen, it says that he laid, when he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, he recognized him as a fellow believer in Jesus. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says, and instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained sight. Then he got up and was baptized. God gets your attention and kick you off a donkey and then brings your sight back. There must be something to do this. Acts 19 verses 5 through 6. When Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to speak in other tongues and they began to prophesy. Now I mentioned this last week and I quickly touched on it, but somebody asked me about it. So I'm going to talk about it this week. As I made reference, because obviously I had a make-believe bottle of alcohol over here. And we understand under the influence of alcohol, and it makes you act different, talk different, walk different, all those things, right? But I made reference to this just quickly about being drunk in the spirit. And you're like, mm, Pastor, you had me till right there. Ooh, that's a stretch. That's weird. Now, let me say, I don't think we should live in that place. But let me remind you, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit now i've said this many times and i will probably say this until i die i don't care if god makes you spin on your head like a top i care how you walk when you get up because i've seen some foolishness right after a service and i'm like bro the holy spirit that you said was on you was just your flesh we talked about that in week one and we want to blame our flesh on the holy spirit well he's a god of order right that's what the Bible says. Now, let me give you a scripture. And I, I, I briefly touched on this. Again, let me remind you, the devil always perverts anything that God wants to do. 
And there's a lot of cheesy church slogans on church on shirts all over the place. Forgive us. Ain't no high like the most high. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You chuckle because you've seen them. Probably made fun of people wearing them. But just because somebody's funky about it doesn't mean there's not scriptural reality to it. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples of this. On the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse, I'm going to read a good portion of scripture here. Uh, it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. It says, suddenly, and now, by the way, go read Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, do not pass, go until, he says, hey, go to Jerusalem. Don't leave until the Holy Spirit comes upon you in verse 8. 500 people got that word, but 120 are in the upper room. So 380 people found something better to do than to be obedient to the Lord. Just a side note. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers... We're meeting together in one place. It says, and suddenly there was the sound from heaven like a mighty roar, or a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. It says, then what looked like uh, flames of tongues or fire appeared and settled on them. And everyone who was present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. Now, this is not just the gift of speaking in tongues. This is actually the gift of speaking in a known language. Different. Some people will tell you that every tongue is a known foreign language. That's not true. Like, well, how do you know that? Because I've experienced this. In 2011, me and Dara went to Brazil. I was praying in my heavenly language. And the pastor's daughter of the house we were staying at heard me praying and said I spoke perfect Portuguese. I had never heard Portuguese in the 24 hours. Like in the last 24, first time I'd ever heard it in my life. And of course, I'm a curious person. I'm like, what did I say? Because I want to know. And she told me my prayer. I'm like, I thought I was jet lag. I, I go into the whole story. So, I, but here's the thing: I knew it was different than my prayer language. Like I knew it in my in my mind. My mind recognized. I thought I was jet lagged. So that's actually what this. And you can go read this passage. We're not going to read all of it. This is literally what happened. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. They start speaking and preaching the gospel in many languages. Why? Because they were there gathered together, and there were people from all over at that time, and they all were hearing the gospel. Says so that they began to speak, and as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability, says at that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Says when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and it says and they were bewildered by what they heard in their own language being spoken by the believers. And it says and they were amazed. How can this be? Because these people are stupid. They're from Galilee. These are like they ain't even blue collar. These are fishermen. Like the. They ain't smart enough to know my language. I've always wondered if that girl thought that about me. Man, that boy dumb, but I know what I heard. <laughs> we, we talked to a, to a Google tablet all week. That happened the first day we were there. Craziness. I wish I could make that happen again, but that's the only time it's ever happened to me. I personally am of the opinion that it actually happened for her. I just got to be a part of it. I think God was confirming to her, hey, there's some reality to this stuff. Because you know that white boy from the States, he don't know no Portuguese. <laughs> no, sir. But I love how it says that they came like bewildered, like what is going on? This is crazy. In verse 11, it says, the crowd is still speaking. It says, uh, we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. They're literally preaching about Jesus in foreign languages that they don't know. It says they stood there amazed and perplexed and said, man, what could this mean? 
But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, nah, they're just drunk, that's all. Similar characteristics, but yet a whole different spirit behind it. See, there will always be critics of what and how God moves, but just because there's critics doesn't mean it's not real. And again, my commitment is we ain't going to be weird. I will call you out on some weird stuff. I'm a gracious person, but I will call your flesh out. Because again, these are very holy things to me. I give a lot of grace in a lot of things, not much in this one. And that shouldn't make you paranoid. What I'm saying is I want you to have a genuine experience with the presence of God. Something real. Not something just kind of whatever. Get caught up in the moment. I mean, I want you to experience the presence and the power of God. Why? Because it has transformed my life. I would not be serving God today if I had not been able to experience the power of God. No question. Because here's not enough. I needed something down here. And I needed God to uproot some things out of my life. And I needed God to work in areas that I didn't even know that I needed work in. And only the Holy Spirit, like an expert surgeon, can come in and do that. And so the pain, the regret of my past, of different things. See, some of you are embarrassed of your testimony because you've not allowed the Holy Spirit to redeem it. And therefore, that's why you don't want to share it. Because you still think, though, that's who I am. And I'm here to tell you that's not who you are. The Bible says that all of your sin has been forgiven by the blood and the power of Christ and that the Holy Spirit comes to work to turn our regret into a testimony. And so I can boldly declare who I used to be and not be ashamed of it. Why? Because I know the one in whom I believed. I know the one who has changed me. I know the one who is what? Continuing to work in me. And it should create boldness. Verse 15 of Acts 2. Peter stands up who was the knucklehead of all knuckleheads. When it comes to the disciples, but yet he, he stands up and says, hey, these people are not drunk. As some of you would be assuming it's nine o'clock in the morning. It's much too early for that. No, this is that which was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel it says in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. There's that word again. When God's, when the Holy Spirit shows up, you'll begin to prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will see dreams. It says, in those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Like, Man, this all freaks me out. I, we're not doing a test today. Everybody walk up here, prophesy. That's not the Lord. Go on. Go and pray some more. Come back. Next. That's terrible. Get out of here. I want to create a desire in you, though. To step into who you've called, been called and created to be. There are no tests and you will not get it perfect. So how do I learn? You got to try. That was the Lord. <laughs> that was not. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. I'll take that one. Like, I, I mean, we got to remove the like the pressure and the stigma of it and just say, God, here I am. Use me. God, if you want to use me, I don't care if it's to the clerk. It's checking me out at the grocery store. Hey, God just wants you to know how much he loves you today. And that may be so simple to you, but it could be life-changing for them. And here's what I found is that God is way more practical than we make him out to be. 
As I was studying and reading and preparing this message, I came across this statement from, he actually just passed away. It's Dr. Jack Hayford, who's considered to be one of the premier uh, teachers, if you will, on the gifts and the ministries of the Holy Spirit. He just passed away, uh, not this past week, but week before last. And I found this statement from him as I was reading, and I loved it so much. He says that the Holy Spirit empowers, but he does not overpower. The Holy Spirit will empower you, but he won't overpower you. In other words, he's not going to take control of you and just be like, mm, and do all kinds of weird stuff. And you're just like, what's happening? You got to want it. You got to be open to it. In Ephesians 5, I'm going to go back to this is where we started really last week, but touch on it again. In Ephesians 5, 18, the Bible tells us, do not be drunk with wine because this will ruin your life. And there's lots of things that you can fill in there. The Apostle Paul just chose alcohol. But what, I mean, we're we're in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're laying some things aside. Why? Because we want to experience more of God. So it may not be alcohol. What's the thing that you turn to instead of God? What's the thing that you look to to cope? What's the the thing that you look to 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 make everything all right? Some of you, it's shop therapy. You're like, oh, that's ridiculous. I say it because I've done it. I just need to go spend some. I ain't got no money, but I need to go spend some money. When what I need to do is to turn to the Lord. So don't turn to these other ears. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you is this, is that I've stirred up a desire and a hunger for you to experience God in a new and a greater dimension than ever before. That's been my prayer for these three weeks. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1, I've been praying over you. And the, the Bible says this for the last 21 days. I've been praying this over you every day. Is that to ask the Lord for rain in the time of rain. So that what? And you go look, and it says, in one translation, it says, so that you would become a lush pasture. So that you would be fruitful. So that God would have his way. And, and many times, most of the times throughout Scripture, in time that we see water, it's indicative of the Holy Spirit. Ask for the reign of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. In the day of rain, ask for rain. Why? Because the ground is thirsty. And it's barren. And it needs the moisture. It needs the influence of the Holy Spirit. One of the definitions, again, of being filled is to be fully permeated. Right? I mean, you know, like when we get rains and you start seeing the water run off the ground. Why? Because the ground has absorbed all that it can and there's runoff. And here, he, he, what, I, what I'm telling you, and I want to stir up on the inside of you, is that there is more available for you. God has more of you, of him to experience than what you've known. And I don't care if you've served God for five minutes or 50 years. God has more. God wants to do more. Some of you, man, this is just ritual. It's just routine. This is just what I do. And I'm telling you, according to God's word, that I've just spent the last 50 minutes telling you about. God has more for you to experience. God wants to show himself real on your behalf. Not just words on a page, not just somebody speaking, saying, oh, this is what God. No, the God of the universe wants you to experience him in a powerful, personal way. So I'm going to invite everybody just to stand up with me this morning. I, I want to, we're going to pray before we wrap up. But, you know, I, I believe that even over these last couple of weeks, and, and this is all just kind of what I believe 
And you're like, what if nothing happens this weekend? I'm not in charge anyways. It's as the Holy Spirit wants to do. But I'm telling you, if you'll come and you'll show up hungry, God's going to show up in this place. Why can't he do it on a Sunday morning? Quite frankly, because some of you aren't ready. And I don't mean that as an accusation. I'm just, I'm your pastor. I'm direct. It's who God made me to be. So I can't apologize for that. But here's the good news. You can change your desire. You really can. And so here, here, I want to pray for specific people this morning. So if what I've been sharing about this morning, it really stirs in your heart. You say, man, I, I want to experience God in a powerful way, like in a fresh way. I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and just to put your hands up like this. And I'm going to pray over you this morning. You say, man, God, I want what you have for me. That's what you're saying. It, it's a sign of surrender. It's really just an outward expression of what's happening on the inside. You're like, man, this feels so weird. So take the step into the uncomfortable. Lean into it. Because I believe God wants to meet you there. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask you just to pray this after me. And we're going to step back into worship for a moment before we wrap up today. Everyone just say this for me. Say, Lord Jesus, I want everything that you have for me. I ask you to fill me up with your Holy Spirit right now. I thank you that by Jesus' sacrifice, everything that you have is available to me today. Holy Spirit, I surrender my mind to you. Help me learn to recognize your voice in your leadings in my daily life. I want to live by your empowerment every day. I receive you as my helper. Anything that's in me that's not of God, I ask you to remove it. Remove it from my heart and my soul. Teach me how to walk in your freedom that only you can bring into my life. I thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, I just thank you right now for every person that's in this room. Father, whatever the needs may be, Father, I have preached your word to the best of my ability. And so, Father, I ask you to do that which only you can do. Father, it's not by might. It's not by our power, but, Father, it's by your spirit. So, Father, I thank you for signs happening right now, for healing happening right now. Father, for the weight of the enemy to be lifted in the name of Jesus. That, Father, that when your anointing comes, that it destroys the power of darkness in our life. And so, Father, I declare that there is freedom in this house this morning. Father, I thank you that when we leave this place, that we would not be the same. But, Father, I thank you that we're stepping into a new thing. We're stepping into a new place. That, Father, it's not just the time of a breakthrough. But, Father, I thank you that you are breaking us out and into something new, into a new place of grace that you would have for us. And so, Father, we ask you, Father, for you to do which only you can do. And, Father, that we, we declare, Father, we commit that we're going to be open, Father, and receptive to you working in our lives. Father, we give you honor and praise for it in Jesus' name.